Good evening and welcome to Burst News at 6 o'clock with Will Griffiths and Rachel Andrews. Review slams 24-hour drinking. Murdering nurse gets life. No road pricing just yet. In entertainment, Lily Allen pulls out a festival. And in sport, Danny Cipriani set to face the Scots this weekend. But first, a review of the 24-hour drinking licensing laws, which were introduced in 2005 in a bid to cut binge drinking, has found that the laws have not managed to reduce drink-related violence and disorder in the small hours, and that police forces are being stretched to their limits in order to control people coming out of clubs, pubs and bars late into the night. The Licensing Act of 2005 made it, made it possible for establishments to sell alcohol round the clock if they wished, with ministers insisting that it would lead to the cafe culture widely seen on the continent. Instead, the Conservatives claim that Britain's binge drinking culture has got worse, with even more serious consequences. Shadow Home Secretary David Davis quoted a figure of over a million drink-related violent crimes in 2007, and cited alcohol as the cause of a 50% rise in antisocial behaviour. Other organisations have also criticised the 2005 Licensing Act. The chairman of the local government association said that late-night licences had totally failed, in his words, whilst the chairman of the Police Federation highlighted the concern of its members, pointing to the increase in the number of late-night assaults on police officers. So what are the government proposing to do in light of this review? Well, well, the Culture Secretary, Andy Burnham, has insisted that it's not all bad news, as the review also says that overall alcohol consumption and crime are down, to the, are down thanks to the 2005 Act. But he has accepted that it hasn't been entirely successful, and has outlined a series of measures he believes will help control the problem. These include a football-type system of yellow and red cards for shopkeepers and landlords who breach licensing laws, an increase in the fine for people who refuse an order to stop drinking, from £500 to £2,500. So pretty serious measures. So what exactly is the problem? Is it just that we're drinking more because we've got more time to do it? Well, as the review pointed out, in general the alcohol consumption is slightly down. The problem is that because people have longer to do it, they carry on drinking well past the time when they normally would have done. Of course, this happens at sort of 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, <clears throat> Which means, you know, of course, at that time, the police are particularly stretched. They don't have all the officers on duty. Um, and as pubs all close at the same time, uh, hospitals and town centres become absolutely jam-packed. But I thought the whole idea behind this was the kind of cafe culture, slightly more continental idea that you don't have to cram your night's drinking into until, until the bit, uh, bell rings at 11 o'clock. Well, that's what uh, ministers were hoping for when they introduced the Act in 2005, but unfortunately I think it would seem that Britain just doesn't have the same relation to drink that people on the continent do. You know, in France and in Italy and uh, you know, elsewhere on the continent, it's perfectly normal to have you know, a glass of wine or an aperitif before you go home after work, whereas we drink to get absolutely rat-arsed, I think, is a fair summary of it. I think if you've seen the status on the clubs in this country, you need to be pretty rat-arsed to go in there. I have to say, I walk, I've, um, on Friday night, I had the misfortune to be walking down Park Street at about uh, midnight. I was sober. It wasn't a pleasant experience, I can assure you. It was fairly scary. And Park Street is one of the kind of the decent areas, so, you know, we'll see. Murdering nurse Colin Norris has been convicted of poisoning four elderly women. His attacks are believed to have been provoked by his dislike of caring for geriatric patients. 
Mr. Norris injected the women with an overdose of insulin, a method he believed to be untraceable. The evil nurse was described by detectives as seeking to perfect his craft. Suspicion was aroused when he accurately predicted the time of death of one of his victims. This arrogance was also evident in the courtroom as he remained nonchalant, even expressionless, in the dock. Judge Griffith Williams today sentenced Mr. Norris to life at Newcastle Crown Court. Well, we're coming up to one of the busiest times on the nation's roads as the mad Easter rush draws ever closer. It's nearly that time of year when motorways are rammed with people going on holiday and, of course, us students returning home. As the country's roads get ever more congested, the government has been looking at ways in which the problem can be eased, and it would appear that a road pricing scheme, often touted as a possible solution, is not the answer, or at least not yet, anyway. Last year, nearly two million people signed an online petition at the Downing Street website against a road pricing scheme, which the Liberal Democrats believe is the only way to reduce congestion and carbon emissions. But speaking today, the Transport Secretary, Ruth Kelly, accepted that such a scheme is still many years away yet, as people are worried about privacy and fairness. Instead, Ruth Kelly believes that the way to ease congestion is by allowing cars to use the hard shoulder on motorways when traffic's bad. It sounds a bit dangerous, but a pilot scheme on the M42 near Birmingham found that by opening the hard shoulders an extra lane, journey times were reduced and fuel consumption fell by 4%, leading to, leading to an overall drop of 10% in vehicle emissions. The scheme could be applied to stretches of the M1, M4, M5, M6 and M62. Although that is obviously going to ease congestion because there's another lane available, surely if anything just encouraging motorists, you know, if we're trying to um, get Britain greener, that's eventually doing the opposite. That's what a lot of the critics have said, um, especially the Liberal Democrats who've been vociferous in their, um, in their dismissal of Ruth Kelly's comments today. Um, as far as they're concerned, this is a mess up and it will just lead to confusion. It doesn't, you know, there's uh, no real clear policy for reducing emissions. It does sound like, seem like a bit of a short-term policy to me, because what do we do when that lane's full up? Exactly, yes. You know, we have to accept the fact that uh, our population is growing, more and more people are getting cars as people get richer and richer, and we're going to have to do something about it. If anything, we should be looking at public transport or other alternatives. I think we should, yeah. And I, there's, um, it would seem that the um, that this scheme will to open the hard shoulder will be incredibly expensive. It requires uh, sensors on the motorways, new signboards. Mm. Obviously, it will require more uh, motorway police to take charge of this. You would think that all the money that this you know, will need could be ploughed into public transport. But it seems ridiculous to me because at the moment the trains are an all-time low. Of, um, passengers, so, so, good, so the railways are empty and the roads are full, mm. and the problem is that the uh, prices of railway tickets are so expensive these days. But if the government were to subsidise these and encourage more people to use the railways, mm. then that would obviously solve one problem. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Maybe you should be. Uh, maybe you should run for yeah, uh, transport secretary. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. Bring it on. Sticking with news, though, two teenagers have been sentenced after pleading guilty to the manslaughter of 23-year-old Evren Anil. Mr Anil was tacked by two teenagers after confronting them about a chocolate bar wrapper they had thrown into his car through an open window as Mr Anil and his older sister Elif waited at traffic lights. Following the attack, Mr Anil suffered head injuries and slipped into a coma, later dying in hospital. It's sickening the yob culture that's available these days. All he's actually doing is standing up for what is right. Exactly, and I, unfortunately this goes back to uh, my first story about the binge drinking, mm. unfortunately our culture. Well, I didn't actually mention, but it goes deeper into the story. It's one mm. of the, one of the uh, teenagers, they were both aged, one was aged 16, the other 17, mm. actually pulled a knife, and whilst he denied in court using it for threatening me uh, measures, mm. he actually yeah, he had a knife and, um, um, I can't say threatened, because yes. he wasn't <laughs> done for that, but... 
pointed it in the direction of Mr. Anil, yes. which is quite terrifying when all and, these And you're never going to point a knife in the direction of someone in a kind of friendly manner, are you? Well, no, but... Well, going abroad now, the American Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice, is in the Middle East trying to restore peace between Israel and the Palestinian state. Following rocket attacks by Palestinian militants li linked to the Hamas movement, Israeli troops launched an offensive on the Gaza Strip, leaving 110 Palestinians dead, of whom many are thought to be women and children. The Palestinian president, Mahmoud Abbas, has now called for a truce between Israel and the Hamas militants of the Gaza Strip in order that peace talks can resume. Other talks were taking place, or were hoping to take place, in London today, as around 200 irate pig farmers descended on Downing Street today to protest against falling pork profits. Farmers are reputedly losing £20 on each pig, and due to the number of farmers leaving the industry, we could face a pork shortage by the end of the year. The protesters were accompanied by their mascot, Winnie the Pig. Oh, isn't that lovely? I don't know if you've heard, uh, well, the latest smash hit that is storming the charts. No. This is the Pig Farmer's wonderful Stand By Your Ham, which is um, a campaign song designed to encourage British consumers to support the British pig farmer. It is, of course, the classic of that, it's a cover of that classic song, Stand By Your Man. It sounds but like a surefire hit. Oh, I, I think so. You know, if the Wurzels can be a successful group, I reckon Stand By Your Ham's going to storm <laughs> the charts, if you ask me. Well, staying abroad, the American states of Ohio, Texas, Rhode Island and Vermont are today choosing who will run for the White House in November. The election of the president of the Republican candidate sorry, will almost certainly favour John McCain, who is well ahead of his nearest rival, Mike Huckabee. And today's polling could also see the end of Hillary Clinton's White House dreams. Her rival, Barack Obama, has won 11 consecutive state primaries so far and has gone all out to woo voters in the state of Texas seen by many as the key state today. Mrs. Clinton, Mrs. Clinton needs landslide victories in all of the states to catch up with Mr. Obama, and senior Democrats are even now suggesting that if she doesn't win big today, M Mrs. Clinton may have to step down and admit defeat. She's going to have to cry again, isn't she? I think she's going to. It's mm. going to have to be the tears. Mm. I feel very sorry for her. She's in quite a difficult position. She was, you know, at the start of her campaign, she was doing the Iron Lady Act. She was accused of being too, too tough, too strong. The second she uh, she wells up a bit, oh, she can't. She's not up to the job. It's a difficult position for her, isn't it? Well, back in Britain, a 21-year-old who fathered his first child at 13 is about to become a father for the seventh time. Keith MacDonald from Washington on Tyne and Weir has had all his children with different women. Mr. MacDonald is currently unemployed, so does not support his children. Although, thankfully, Mr. MacDonald claims he has no plans for any more children. This may well be because of his mother who apparently has strong views on the issue, she reportedly told Mr MacDonald to pack it in and keep it in his trousers. Bit late for that advice, right? Really. You think, think so, she yeah. could have said that about seven years ago, really? But this man is obviously the role model to parents around the world. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, let's face it, this is a country that chooses, you know, the likes of Jordan as mother of the year. I reckon he's in line to be father of the year. I thought there was another interesting um, footnote to this article. Do tell. Um, a leading condom uh, brand, I'm not sure which one, has reported low sales in the northeast. Mm, so yeah, possibly by him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, I'm sure there's a lesson there somewhere. Well, in entertainment news now, Lily Allen has pulled out of the Isle of Wight Festival, citing delays with her new album. Festival organiser John Gidding hasn't yet decided if the Smile singer will be replaced. 
The sold out festival takes place on the 13th to the 15th of June with the Kaiser Chiefs, the Sex Pistols and the police headlining. Are you uh, headed to the Isle of Wight this year? I would love to. I'd absolutely love to, but it's before the end of term. It is, sadly. I might even still have exams in, but it's a fantastic festival. It's one of those really underrated festivals. I think it is, yeah. It has a little bit of iconic stage. You think back to the Doors headlining at Isle of Wight. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, exactly. Or even Hendrix, I where Hendrix came from. Um, But it just seems like a really cool festival. It's a bit more underground, a bit more... Bit more for the musos, people who know what they're t- know what they're doing. Not like Reading, who they just get the biggest grossing bands of the year and yeah. put them on a stage. Well, unfortunately, I've got more news about uh, festivals, and this is not quite such a festive for festival for the musos. Talking about the festival now, which okay. could uh, possibly be ranked alongside Reading. Hmm. Um, Amy Winehouse, The Verb, and Muse will headline this year's V Festival, which takes place on the 16th and 17th of August in Chelmsford in Staffordshire. Other acts currently on the bill include Burst Favourites, Hot Chip. The Pogues, the Hoosiers and the Kooks, and unfortunately also the Stereophonics, but I wasn't going to put that in because I loathe them. You don't like the Stereophonics? I have to say, I have a... I just can't stand them. They are one of the worst bands of all time, in my opinion. My humble opinion. Okay. And it... it, Yeah, my hatred them goes back a long, long time, so... But I'm sure they're very nice people. (laughs) And uh, in film news, I'm not really sure if this does count as film news, it's kind of miscellaneous, really... Russell Brand, everyone's uh, favourite Lothario, has said that he wanted Harry Potter star Daniel Radcliffe to play him in uh, the upcoming film of his autobiography, My Bookie Work. Yep, it's being made into a film, if you can believe that. Is that because not enough people read it as a book? Oh, cruel, cruel. (laughs) Um, However, Brand apparently decided that Radcliffe would not be up to the drink, drugs or um, sexual exploits that formed Brand's teenage years. Um, other stars lined up to feature in the film, which starts shooting in summer, includes uh, Brand's Radio 2 regular guest Noel Gallagher and Little Britain entertainer David Williams. I would have thought he's so self-obsessed that he'd just do it himself, to be honest. I think that's probably what he's going to do. Yeah, he will, yeah. won't he? Yeah, he has said that he's looking forward to filming the sex scenes. A real kind of I am me type film. Yeah, you got to love him though. Well, basically. Well. <laughs> Moving on to sport now. Britain's Andy Murray yesterday sent world number one and record breaker Roger Federer out of the Dubai Open in the first round. The plucky Scots recorded his second consecutive victory over the Swiss master, triumphing 6-7, 6-3, 6-4. Murray's victory was a... You're right there. You lost. Where I you know. Were. I, I just lost my lost my place for a second there. Sorry about that. Was a serene and confident display. There we go. <laughs> just like yours. <laughs> Thank you. That's Through right. a few errors and some excellent serving, Murray never even faced a break point. In fact, Murray should have recorded a straight sets victory over an underperforming Federer as he threw away a 5-2 lead in the first set tiebreak. However, this didn't dishearten him. Rather, spurred him on to another landmark victory. Mm. It's, been, it's been a slightly disappointing year and a brilliant year at the same time, 2007, for, um, well, last year rather, for yeah. uh, Andy Murray as he finished in the top 10 in the world, mm. but actually didn't even feature in two Grand Slam tournaments. I was going to say he was out for quite a lot of the year, so, so he's clearly come storming back. Well, he's done very well to maintain such a high ranking despite mm. not playing, but just, you know, it leads, you, it leads one to wonder how he would have done if he'd got a chance to perform in some of the bigger well, events. Yes. Yeah, and if um, only he had just a little bit more dynamism. Yes, yeah, so a, a bit more intrigue to him would be nice. A bit of a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, back in football, Arsenal take on Milan tonight, aiming to become the first English team to succeed in the San Siro. Arsenal only need a score, draw or better to knock out the holders when the game kicks off at 7.45 tonight. Cesc Fabregas insists that Wenger's kids have nothing to fear, despite Milan lining up with World Player of the Year Kaka. Manchester United are also in action tonight, as they take on French side Lyon at Old Trafford. 
The Red Devils managed a one-all draw in the last leg thanks to a late Tevez strike. United will be wary of the threats of highly rated young attackers Karim Benzema and Hatem Ben Arfa, who Alex Ferguson has reportedly been keeping tabs on recently. However, Glasgow Celtic face the toughest test tonight as they face Spanish giants Barcelona at the Nou Camp, knowing they have to score two away goals following their 3-2 loss two weeks ago at Celtic Park. That's going to be a nail-biting game, I reckon. It should be a great evening of Champions mm. League football, actually, taking us through the quarter-finals. It's a good one, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I think Arsenal have... Well, Arsenal actually have got a fairly good chance of beating Milan tonight. Mm. They've got to stifle the attack of um, of Kaka, obviously. But I think someone like uh, uh, Flamini, if they if he can take him out mm. and allow Cesc Fabregas to dictate the play, that could be... Uh, and I think Adebayor is going to be key to the game. If he can score, because he's lost his scoring form a bit recently. Oh, Ever since dear. that header, he blazed over the bar. But you, you must remember the one... Yes. But, um, yeah, they drew nil all in their last leg, so oh they're hoping for a better. Yes, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm, I'm just, just nodding just, and smiling. Kind of lobbing in with sympathetic moans. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, oh well done. Oh, oh I say. Good, good luck for them. Yes. Uh, Brian Ashton was uh, uh, in the news today after he released his starting 15 for England's Six Nations match against Scotland this Saturday. The main surprise inclusions are 20-year-old Danny Cipriani, who is set to start at fullback, and Lee Mears is also set to replace Bristolian hooker Mark Regan. Uh, why, why do you think uh, Ashton went for such a selection choice? It's quite, a, quite an unusual one. What's his, what do you well, think his rationale is? There's been a lot of talk about getting Danny Cipriani involved. He's, he has the X factor, as a lot of people in the media are saying. Mm. He's only 20, he's played for England at most levels, and he's played most of last year as well for London Wasps. And one of the reasons he's been picked for the game on Saturday is because he's had a bit of more experience at number 15 than Matthew Tate has. Obviously, they're both excellent players in their own right, and actually neither of them is it's their favourite position. Obviously, Danny Cipriani prefers to play at number 10, and Matthew Tate prefers to play in the centres. But Ian Bolshaw has been a little bit shaky since his return to the England in the England jersey, and Jamie Noon obviously putting in some cracking tackles and generally being pretty solid. And Toby Flood has been um, w- been being an excellent foil for Johnny Wilkinson at number mm. 10. So there's no real room for the players in the positions they want. But Cipriani, I think it's exciting. I think it's great. I think mm. it's a great baptism for him. Because the Scottish is going to be a tough game. They're going to put up a lot of high, swirling ball in the wind. And if he can deal with that and bring a bit of extra attacking flair when he joins the game line, it could be excellent for England, excellent for the neutral to watch as well. Well, it'll be an interesting match. It should be See a great game. It should plays. be a good weekend of Six Nations Rugby. Mm. Sitting out for the uh, finale in two weeks. Looking forward to that one. Well, uh, there's been a lot of talk this uh, this week about uh, Zimbabwean sports and mm. sportsmen in the UK. Tell us a bit about that, Will. Well, it was originally believed that uh, Zimbabweans were going to be banned from competing, as in a blanket ban on all Zimbabwean sportsmen and women competing within England. This sounds a really, really harsh measure. Why would uh, why would the English Sports Association kind of implement such a thing? Well, obviously, it's because n- they don't want to be seen to condone the activities that go on in Zimbabwe at the moment. Mm. However, um, Downing Street have actually come out today and uh, tried to distance themselves from these claims, mm. saying that there will not be no blanket ban. And Gordon Brown himself was surprised to learn about this claim. And actually, it's rather an issue because the main issue in focus here is the Zimbabwean cricket tour to England mm. um, ahead of the 2009. Uh, 2020 World Cup that England are hosting. Now, obviously, England can't ban them from the World Cup because no. that would have repercussions from the ICC, that's the International Cricket Council. But what they can do is make their own stance. As I said, mm. uh, the ECB, the England and Wales Cricket Board, can um, uh, ban the tour to England. And it looks like that's what may happen. And this is in opposition to... Uh, Robert Mugabe's tyrannous, mm. uh, tyrannic rule of uh, Zimbabwe. I think mm. they have a 1,000% in, uh, in 
Inflation at the Inflation, moment. Inflation, yes. Which is a bit of a problem. Henry Alonga, who's a famous ex-Zimbabwean cricketer mm. and kind of, not political activist, but a prominent spokesperson yeah. for um, uh, the problems that are going on in Zimbabwe. He's come forward and uh, praised Gordon Brown, or uh, indirectly at least, mm. for um, putting on a tougher stance than uh, maybe his predecessor might have. Mm. Another interesting story in the sports world. Did you see about Tim Cahill? I'm team? not familiar with the name, Tim I Tim Cahill is, is an Australian who plays for Everton. Very good player. Right. He scored for them on a Sunday mm-hmm. and their 3-1 victory. And he did a rather, rather surprising celebration. What was his celebration? Well, he's, got a, he's got a trademark celebration where he runs into the corner flag and kind of punches the corner flag like a boxing, boxing bag. But um, it was a bit of an emotionally charged one. He ran over, almost quite welled up, yeah. and uh, crossed his arms as if he'd been uh, handcuffed. Good and Lord. for a while the media were at loss as to what exactly.